Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome listeners to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Today we are focusing on a topic that is foundational to who we are as followers of Jesus, and that is the subject of faith, or more specifically, the best ways to grow your faith. Yeah, you might have heard the statement before, you know, keep the faith. It's an encouraging statement I've heard often, but faith, as we're going to see in this episode, is not just something that you put in your pocket and pull out from time to time, like a rare coin. Faith is meant to be grown in each of our lives. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because as I was approaching this topic, I started to think about babies and young people and adults. And you might ask, well, what does that have to do with anything? And I was thinking of, um, it's a movie that I saw a little while ago where the, the guy was referencing like, hey, I started walking by five years old. That's pretty impressive. And when I was a kid, I didn't really understand what that joke was in the comedy while I was watching. But now that I understand what age... Um, people are supposed to be able to do certain things. You're supposed to be walking by around one, one and a half. Uh, I realized how goofy that was. There was a joke in five. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I was thinking of, um, you know, it's really cute to see babies doing baby things. And it's really fun to wave at them or like fist bump. And they're looking at you with their giant googly eyes and everything. But when you see an adult who's doing baby things, it gets yeah. weird and you get really sad because you're like, oh man, you didn't grow, you didn't mature. Yeah, if a parent has his 23-year-old come home from college and still doing goo-goo-ga-gas, it's going to be a little weird, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that feels uncomfortable. Um, and so, I mean, growth in our faith is not only important, but it's essential. Yeah, that's true. And then the object of our faith is also essential, too, because... You know, it's not just about a George Michael song. You know, you got to have faith. It's what you place your faith in. And and so, uh, of course, our focus today is all about growing our Christian faith in our God. Yeah. And to define faith biblically, um, Hebrews 11, 1 states that uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that basically means faith equals being fully convinced of what we hope for, which would be the return of Jesus, eternal life in heaven. Um, it's not wishful thinking, but knowing that God will deliver on this unseen promise. Oh, that's good. Um, we live by that. The righteous live by faith. Yeah. And it's wild because, okay, you just referenced Hebrews 11.1. 1. Mm -hmm. If you were to go five verses down in Hebrews 11.6... It says, for without faith, is an it is impossible to please God. Oh, well, I mean, it's a necessity. It is. Yeah. Absolute necessity because we cannot please God if we don't have evidence of faith in our lives. That's true. And, you know, it's it kind of almost ties in, I think, with the Holy Spirit. Because Galatians 3.23 says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. And that is speaking of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, faith. Mm. They're all hand in hand. And First um, Peter 1-5 through says that we are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Faith is, a, is the avenue of which the power of God protects us and keeps us saved. 
And so it's a very important thing that we should grow, not only have, but grow. Yeah, because we've said it before, the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. Mm -hmm. And so I would say faith is the foundation of our salvation. Yeah. So they go hand in hand, like you said. Yeah. It's amazing the dots that connect, you know, yeah. with faith and, and just, yeah, it's amazing. You know, I read this quote. Um, I found a couple of different ones about faith that I thought were really um, pertinent to this conversation. One said, through faith, we can see the invisible, choose the imperishable and do the impossible. Mm. And then um, Martin Luther said, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. Oh, wow. I mean, that's like, I think of the songs about faith, and I'm like, I want that kind of faith that I say, without a shadow of a doubt, I can hang my life on it. And that's what we have to have, because we're walking every day by faith in who God says he is. Yeah. And what God says he does. And, and a more simple avenue of looking at it is, you know, having established faith simply makes life more enjoyable. Yeah. When when I am flourishing in my faith and God has, you know, blessed me in, in my faith and given me assurances like that, I just enjoy life more. Mm. Yeah, life's, a life filled with uncertainty is not a great life. Yeah. So, okay, why don't we get going on the best ways to grow your faith? I think we came up with 10. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Number one, dig deep into God's word and meditate on it. Oh, yeah. If you want to grow your faith, this is number one um, because it actually says in God's word that's a way to grow your faith because Romans ten seventeen reads, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yeah. Digging, I mean, digging into God's word. That is, it's funny because even this week in church, I, I was hearing a um, an example of having to have the power source with Christmas lights on the front of the house. Yeah. And that is our power source is, is God's word. And we have to be in it to be hearing from God. We do have to be in it to be hearing from God. And I think one of the things that grows our faith through God's word is reading stories of how God um, acted on other people's lives reading how he's interacting with our lives and then seeing how the word of God is alive and moving and powerful. That's so true. Because it doesn't just speak to what we were going through then. It also is speaking to what we're going through now. And it, and it, then it's revealing to what we're coming to hmm. because there's, there's application and then there's prophecy and then there's history. So it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the main thing that I said, too, is the meditate on it, because we live in this day and age where a lot of times it's really um, like take it in, process it and go. And I think meditate is that um, that thought of chew on it a while and absorb it. And then one of the grossest ways that um, a pastor talks about it is like, a cow has four stomachs so it's like chew on it for a while swallow it and then a cow brings it back up chews on it <laughs> swallows it brings it back up i that's what gross a beautiful picture of god's word <laughs> <laughs> but that's how he said that's how i meditate on the word of god well there's there's a lot of wisdom in that too because 
I mean, we read God's Word, and there might be something we've read a thousand times, but when it gets brought back up in new light in our lives, and we've grown more, and our faith has grown more, Mm. it starts to mean even more. It starts to grow. The meaning of God's Word grows. It is the living Word of God. And so to bring it back up and think on it again, that is such an important thing to do. And I think part of that is coming when we read, just asking God, um, give me fresh eyes. That's true, because we can we can turn the entire Bible into a bunch of cliches. Yes. Just shallow things that we spout out that are statements. Yeah. But it's, like I said, the living Word of God that is meant to be chewed on, dissected, rightly divided. And so that's part of it. And not looking for our daily Instagram or Facebook verse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this verse will get a lot of likes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um So is it a daily discipline that we've committed ourselves to because this is going to grow our faith? God's word tells us that. Mm. Number two. Okay, so the number two best way to grow your faith is to act on what you read or applied from God's word. And really what that means is put it into action. And that right here leads us to James, who I believe is one of the most direct writers of scripture. What does he say? Yeah, in James 2.17, he says... So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Right here, that sounds like a <laughs> that sounds controversial, doesn't it? It does. It really does. But he he packs, you know, he holds no punches. No, he doesn't. And he backs it up because he says, "You show me your your faith by the way that you talk about it." And he goes, "Let me show you my faith by my works." Yeah. And he says, well, faith without works or deeds, it's mm-hmm. dead. It is. And that's snakebird territory. It is. Because it's a it's a balance that you have to... It's, and it's not even a balance. One comes before the other. It does. Works does not come first. Some Sometimes I think, some might think that their works is... That's all there is. And it kind of, well, I've got faith. You just can't see that my works, you know. But faith has to come first. And so it's a, it's a major balance. Snakebird territory for sure. Well, that... To me, it comes back to even um, Hebrews eleven six, where maybe you have somebody who's trying to work their way to heaven, but they don't have faith. Mm-hmm. And that, that verse that says it's impossible to please God. Yeah. But one is a byproduct of another. I mean, that's the that's acting on our faith is a byproduct of belief in the object of our faith, which is God. Yeah, that's so true. And on that, I think um, when you're acting on what you've read or what you're applying from God's word, Something that you can do is teach what you've been taught. Yeah, that is very true. Um, <laughs> when you're in the Word studying it and you teach it, half the time when you're in the middle of teaching it, you, you're you growing in the midst of that. Yeah, because I mean, if you're going to teach something, you're going to make sure you know it inside and out. Yeah, yeah. And even as you're teaching it, you're sitting there learning. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, another great way is to sharpen your faith against others. Um, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And this method of growing your faith really hits home for me. Um, the idea is that you have a believing brother, if you're a man, or a sister, if you're a woman, that you're close to, and you know what the other one's dealing with on a week-to-week basis. You pray together. You talk about God's Word together your spiritual partners, if you will. So, I mean, if you're not a teacher in teaching in that respect, you can do it this way. Yeah. And um, an interesting story that I'll just share at this point is 
Um, after God had gotten a hold of my life in a very real way, I prayed for like two years that God would bring someone into my life that was as passionate about the scripture and him and being reborn again so that I could be a partner with somebody and sharing. And it, it seemed like everybody that I thought might be my partner in that way was, was not as excited. And it led me to a church with a group of men who said that they had been praying for several years for someone like me. And this is where it intersected God's perfect plan. And through that group is where I met Josh, who I'm looking at across the table right now, which led to the Snakebird podcast here. And I got to tell you, uh, having Josh as my spiritual partner, um, partner in crime, if you will, you know, has, has really strengthened my faith because we hold each other accountable. We we look for fruits in each other, and, and if we see something, we talk it out. And it's a beautiful thing to have somebody in your life that's a believer that can be there for you in that way. That's pretty awesome, right? It is. Yeah, praise God for that. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of just being in church ministry and seeing people that all they ever do is receive and they don't have an avenue of relief or, yeah. or, um, like pour over or, you know, like they're all damned up Yeah, and there is no floodgate. Mm -hmm. And all I can think of is the dead sea, yeah, which is the lowest point on earth. It's the saltiest thing. And, and there is no outlet. All yeah. it is is inlets. Yeah. And because of that, nothing grows there. And so we don't want to be like that. The One of the best ways for our faith to move is to actually have an open channel. That's true. And, you know, develop not just one, but a group of people. Get mm. together with other uh, believers. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Well, that's... That's awesome that you said that because that leads right into number three, oh, right on. which is surround yourself with good counsel or influence. There it is. And to me, I would say choose. You get the choice of who you let advise you or speak into your life. Mm -hmm. this, this verse kind of took me by surprise. Mark chapter six, verses five and six. It says, Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Oh, wow. And, and the context of the verse was essentially he was in his hometown and everybody knew about him. And they said, isn't this the son of Joseph the carpenter? And they, they looked at him and they're like, we know you and you're, you're nothing special. And literally by their lack of faith, they were like, you're not going to do anything here. Yeah. And I think while the, the application is like, we don't, we've never been to Jesus's hometown necessarily, but maybe we influence ourselves or surround ourselves with people who talk about how God can't do anything or dis, are in disbelief all the time. Yeah. That's, that's a bad group to allow to influence you. That's true. And you know, I think of, I've heard people pull out the verse, um, bad company corrupts good morals. Well, stagnant company also can stagnate you. Yeah. And so to have company um, that is helping you grow as they grow, as y'all sharpen together is so important. And find somebody that you can learn from and somebody that you can teach. Yes. And all do it together. Yeah, it's the whole discipleship. Yeah. Be one and make some and, and be being poured into yourself. Yeah. 
you know, and another great way to, to do that is surrounding yourself with good counsel, especially when you're like, well, I don't have a lot of friends is, of course, plug into a great church where you're going to find friends like that. Mm-hmm. But also you can glean from those who have gone before with great um, books or biographies or even just quotes, because some of these spiritual fathers, they've, you know, already laid out the pathway to some of these things. Yeah, that's true. And it is important to have someone flesh and blood that you can shoot back and forth with. Um, If you're not finding that where you're at, it's important that you look into the situation. Maybe it's something you can change, but maybe not. Maybe God is leading you to find uh, another brother or sister or a group that um, can help you grow. So be in prayer over that. Don't necessarily become a social media influencer, but become <laughs> a uh, a good influencer into faith in the lives of the people around you. Yeah. Um, the number four thing that we can do to grow our faith is identify things in our lives that might hold us back. Yeah. Hebrews um, 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Man, I don't care how many times I've ever heard that verse. I love the imagery that the writer of Hebrews sets up because I can't can't help but imagine a coliseum of people like the end of a marathon in the Olympics— where you've been running for 26 miles and you're coming in for that point two and you're coming into the Coliseum and they're all just cheering you on and you see the finish line and you're just running with everything you've got. You're not letting anything hold you back You're, You've acknowledged all the stuff that could trip you up and you've thrown it off. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like something I thought about, which would be to live like a tourist. When you're running this race, um, what you're doing is you're passing through. You're passing through this life onto your final destination. And this cloud of witnesses is at that final destination. Um, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 9 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away... We make it our aim to please Him. When you go on vacation and you check into your hotel room, you don't start painting the walls. You don't decorate the place. You don't retile the shower. You don't do any of that because it's only a temporary place that you're staying at. You only invest the price per night because the main event is the destination. And I believe that if we live like that in regard to heaven being our main event, we're passing through running this race, then our faith will start to grow exponentially and your vision will be able to focus clearly on the true state of your situation. Mm. Um, We walk by faith in the unseen, not by seeing the temporal. That's so true. You know, I've, I've heard it. Another pastor say, don't plant your tent pegs too deep. You know, which is essentially like when you go to to pack up camp, you're like struggling to even get them out of the ground. That's true. And you don't want to have anything hold you back, whether like practically we think about if we put more stock in our human relationship than our godly relationship versus having a snake bird balance on it, then we're going to it's going to get unhealthy. Yeah. Or 
maybe if there's a sin that's crept into our lives like pornography or mm-hmm. greed or um, something that where it's like I have to be entertained or I, there's just so many things, um, um, dependence, um, addiction, whatever it might be, those things are out there. And, you know, I just I keep coming back to Satan loves to trip a brother up. You know, he always is looking for a foothold to to try to take us down and to to keep us from reaching our full potential. That's true. And all of those things that you mentioned, that is the sin that so easily trips us up. I think about barnacles on the bottom of a ship. Ooh. I mean, that really, my, my grandfather used to take me sailing every summer. And when that stuff builds up on the bottom of a sailboat, it slows you down a lot. Wow. And that stuff has to be scraped away for a smooth hole so you can divide the waters and go quicker. Yeah. And that's so important. Um, and you mentioned being practical. Um, some practical ways to live by faith in that way is when something stressful comes into your life, maybe it is one of these sins that's that's uh, tripping you up, immediately start to focus on what you're being taught throughout the situation instead of wondering why it's happening to you. Mm. You know, pray to God, please don't let me waste this time with worry. Show me what I need to learn, how to scrape these barnacles away. Yeah. Yeah. Focus on what matters. And okay, we keep segueing because that's number five. Because Hebrews 12 verse one continues on. And so number five is keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't focus on yourself or your own circumstances. Don't get caught in the mire. But verse two of Hebrews 12 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That's the, the key. Yeah. Yeah. That's the New Living Translation because I've always heard it, the author and finish of our faith, which I love both translations, but I was like the champion who initiates and then perfects our faith. I'm thinking he's already won the battle. Yeah. We have to walk in his victory. And so that's why we run this race. We're running with our eyes fixed on the prize of what's to come. And we want to finish strong. And that means nothing there holding us back. That's true. You know, there's a um, there's a, a strange thing that happens to runners when they're running. It's called a second wind. Hmm. And your legs almost become like feathers and you don't feel them anymore because you're so darn tired. Yeah. And it's easier to go even a further distance because of the second wind. And that comes through keeping your eyes on Christ Mm -hmm. and he supplies us our daily bread, everything we need to finish strong. Keeping our eyes on Jesus is extremely important. That's what brings us through. Yeah. I mean, we lose, we lose, when we lose sight of God, it's so easy to lose faith. And I mean, one of the best examples is Peter, you know, we talk about him. We've probably brought him up uh, um, almost every podcast we've had because we talk about him stepping out of the boat and walking on water by faith. But when he took his eyes off God, he began to sink. Yeah. When he looked at the wind and the waves and the circumstances versus the object of his faith and why he was even out there in the first place, uh, things things started to go off kilter. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's such a... It's such a simple old hymn, but turn your eyes upon Jesus because he's where what matters. And when you live like that and run your race like that, 
you'll be surprised how many other things line up along the way. Hmm. Seek him and his kingdom first, and all of the other things are going to fall into place. Yeah. Okay, number six, do the little things before the big things. You know, this is a really simple instruction, but I think it needs to be said because sometimes we want to go out and we want to be like Moses with his staff and we want to part the Red Sea or we want to be able to tell a mountain to move. Whereas maybe the little things that we're trying, that we're doing that are going to grow our faith is like telling somebody about Jesus or taking our Bible out and reading it in public. Or maybe even you're around a group of possibly non-believing friends or friends that have differing uh, opinions on certain things and really taking a snake bird stand on a religious or a political issue, not necessarily stepping on people's feet and like uh, in enforcing what you believe, but just being vocal about it. That's so true. Um, man, the little things make more of a difference than people give them credit for. They, they do. Um, so I think that you mentioned it in a previous episode that we should preach the gospel always, but use words when necessary, uh, paraphrased, of course, but uh, <laughs> that was a quote you quoted. And I, I think about that, about how we live and how people don't have to hear us say stuff necessarily to gather the gospel out of our lives. Hmm. I think of a time that um, this is a great story that I remember where my dad, he had a worker that worked under him when he um, was building fences. And my dad told him he didn't want any cussing. He didn't want any cussing on the crew. My dad was a Christian, and my dad didn't push the gospel on him. But this guy, who wasn't allowed to cuss, and he had a foul sailor mouth, he, he didn't cuss. And, and they parted ways, and many, many years passed. And my dad got a letter in the mail like like 10 years later. And this guy had said, I just want you to know that that little rule that you had on your crew was a seed that got planted in my life, and I am a born-again believer to this wow. day. And it started from that moment that you just did that little thing That's that says cool. you don't you don't approve of that kind of language, you know. Not not that we would force rules upon people, no. but and I don't think that's what he was doing. But just seeing how we live and what we stand for, people see that, and that can make a major difference in somebody's life. If that's the avenue that opened it up, that's really cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, because the little things add up to big things, and. And again, maybe you're not supposed to be the one that parts the Red Sea, but maybe you're just supposed to represent God correctly to your family or to your school or to your workplace. That's needed. That is so needed, especially in this day and age where a lot of people call themselves believers but don't represent righteously. That's so true. You know, we need snake birds, people out there living that delicate balance of wisdom and gentleness. That's true. A lot of times you might think, well, that's their family's job to give them the gospel. I know they're Christians. They'll get it. But a lot of times family looks at each other differently than you might think. You yeah. Know, the whole you're always 17 in your hometown thing. Oh, my gosh. So a lot of times you might be the interaction that really gets a breakthrough in their life in a way that God wants. Well, and I think of like when we do men's groups or when we're around men, 
I get so heartbroken to see that a lot of times it's women that are leading the household spiritually. They're the ones that are initiating going to church on Sundays where sometimes men are more on autopilot about it. And I'm like, you are the leader of your household and, and you need to be leading your, your family righteously. And, and that is a little thing that you can do by faith yeah. that makes a big difference. That's so true. There, I've seen some studies that say there's a large portion of Christian families that the, the woman has to be the spiritual leader of the house. She's the one that makes sure they goes to church on Sunday. Yeah. And a lot of times I think guys will look at that like, uh, you know, it's it's a sign of weakness when you get in touch with your feely side, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that is not what having faith is. No. It is not weakness. It, it's a lot easier to, to go the other way. Mm-hmm. It is a lot. It takes a lot more strength to live like this. Yeah. You know, it made me think of an illustration I heard once, and it was essentially this guy who was placed uh, kind of in the mountains, and God led him to a rock, and this is going to sound like a completely weird illustration, but God said, every day I want you to come, and I want you to push this rock. And the guy got up, and he said, I got to do what God called me to do. So every day he went out, and he started pushing that rock, and it was a huge boulder, and nothing happened. And so he's pushing on it and he's like, you know, he's pushing it front ways and nothing's happening. And so he'll take a break and then he comes and he's using his legs and his back and he's pushing and he's giving it all he's got. And he did that for like two months straight. And finally he felt like he was going to go nuts. And so he comes back and he starts crying out to God and he tells him, he tells God, I give up. I can't move this rock. And God says, okay, I never called you to move the rock. I told you to push on it. And he said, I, w- I want you to look at your body after this. He said, every day you've been walking for at least two miles to get to this rock that I showed you. So you're getting in shape. And then he said, a lot of times as you're pushing on it, you're taking your shirt off. So that means you're getting a tan and you're getting vitamin D. And he said, and look at your muscles. You've been using so many different muscle groups and you're getting toned pushing this rock. And, and it's such a s- silly illustration, but what, the benefit of it was the guy was getting these untold benefits that he didn't even realize from obedience and doing the little thing that he thought he needed to make a big impact, but it was the little things that were making a huge impact on his life. And that's so true. We get, we get tunnel vision, don't we? mm -hmm. We, we have this expectation of what we're visualizing Mm -hmm. and we don't realize that God's, he's working on something even better for us. Yeah. Yeah. So do the little things before the big things and the big things will come. You know, if you're like, man, I really want to minister to a whole country, maybe start writing a letter to somebody in that country. Uh, You know, I think of, um, golly, it was John Knox who was a missionary to Scotland. He said, give me Scotland lest I die. You know, he said that and, and I know that he started little before he before he actually influenced the whole country. Yeah, it's, it's so true. If you're faithful in the little things, God's going to lead you to things that you never even imagined. And it'll open doors, yeah. One of the first things that God dropped on my heart when he, when he turned me around was the little things. Do these little things you've been neglecting. I, I had not been a good husband to my wife, and I started doing the dishes. I started doing stuff like that. And it, it, it sounds it sounds almost silly, you know, to think about doing the little things in that way. But those little things that just started out 
they snowballed into stuff I never thought God would do in my life. So um, that's so important to do the little things before the big. Yeah, amen. Number seven, ask for more faith. Yeah, Luke eleven nine through 10 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, God is so faithful and he he knows how to give us good gifts. Um, James says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And and even the the same illustration in Luke goes on to say that if a if a if a son asks his father for a fish, would he give him a serpent? Or for bread, would he give him a stone? And the truth is no. God gives us what we need. Mm-hmm. Now here's the trick is that God doesn't always give it in the way that we think we're gonna get it. Yeah. That's funny because you know, first John five, fourteen and fifteen says This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Oh, wow. And that's the key, I think, according to his will. Yeah, that that's very true. It's kind of like the, you know, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Same concept. Mm-hmm. It's the desires of your heart will be now surrounding his will because you're born again. <laughs> yeah. So I've read that one so many times out of context. I uh, will have to do a verse out of context podcast at some point. We will. Because that one's right up there. Yeah. But seriously, if you have to keep a prayer journal so that you can keep track of what you see God doing mm. according to his will. Yeah. And I think when we start paying attention to this stuff, I mean really paying attention we find that God's answers are very real and things start making sense in a spiritual way. Mm-hmm. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And and the way that I thought about it too is, is that God doesn't necessarily just give us the things that we ask for directly at times. Like if we're saying, help God, my car won't start. Sometimes he brings somebody that helps you with your car. But like, let's say that you're saying, God, I want more faith. You know the way that he'll usually... Uh, grow your faith is by allowing you to be tested because mm-hmm. that's completely supported in James 1 where it says for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed you will be perfect and complete needing nothing yeah. you know and and yeah, James, even in that verse, is talking about let him who lacks patience, you know, wait on God and, and work for it or, or hope for it. And here we see that that's the same thing about our faith is that God is going to grow our faith, but usually it's through testing and it's through us seeing, hey, he is faithful. Yeah. And I think while you're in that waiting process, be consistent in seeking God in, in prayer, in asking about very specific things. First mm-hmm. uh, Thessalonians five sixteen and 18 says, uh, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We have to be so consistent, and He wants us to touch base with Him on a regular basis. Not Make sure you're not neglecting that. Yeah. Yeah, 
I think about how sometimes we make God to be like the magical genie God. Mm -hmm. And that's a dangerous thing is we don't always just want to come to him when we need something. Yeah, he's not an aspirin. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he he's not. And he's not a vending machine. That's that's if that's the relationship that we that we have with him, then we need to do a heart check. Yeah. And keep in mind through the testing and, and all of this, um, I've heard it said that an untested faith is an unreliable faith. Ooh. And I found that to be true because if you have this faith that you've never used because things have always gone so perfectly, how do you know it's even usable? So it's so important to remember. And, and I think most of us have had a tested faith. Mm -hmm. But just remember, it's making your faith more reliable when it's being tested. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so number seven, ask for more faith. Number eight, take the next logical step and stay faithful. You know, there's been so many times where people have come in and kind of laid out their circumstances and they say, what do I do next? What, what should my faith be leading me to? And of course, the first thing that we would counsel somebody is what is God telling you to do? And then if we're still at a stymie, the obvious answer is to take the next logical step. And that is do what, like, don't do anything outside of what the Bible would tell you to do morally, yeah. objectively, um, all those things. Yeah. But it's like, take the next logical step. Um, be wise about it. Be a snake bird about it. Yeah. You don't have to. Um, yeah, I had a, a coworker once that he, he would battle these situations in his mind because he hadn't heard from the Lord yet. And he wouldn't get groceries one week because he hadn't heard. And it's like, dude, that's, that's just something you just, you do, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you don't have to wait for God on that. Some things. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But be, yeah, be uh, like Josh said, take the next logical step. So like, okay, let's say that you're, you're thinking about asking somebody to marry you. Yeah. Now, if God hasn't given you the okay on that, the next logical step is wait, yes. you know, and find confirmation. Obviously, the more um, important the, the decision. Yes. It's got to take, uh, yeah, definitely snake bird. <laughs> because that is going to be perhaps the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Yeah. Um, of course, the first one is receiving Jesus into your heart. That's who so you, true. Who you marry is so important. So, um you know, taking the next logical step is not, again, the deepest of uh, things to grow, mm -hmm. but it's important because walking day to day and not getting stuck in the mire and not getting bogged down going, well, God, I'm at a fork in the road. Do I have to go right or do I have to go left? And, you know, um, I think you just mentioned it about the will of God mm -hmm. is pray without ceasing in everything. Um, ask, asking God. Yeah. Um, you just made me think of the situation with Moses as he was leading the people and he came to this issue where all the people were coming to him for advice hmm. and his father-in-law, who was a pagan, had this <laughs> idea, Jethro, he was like, well, what you need to do is you need to have people over these people and people over those people so that you can do. The Bible doesn't tell us that Moses prayed to God and God gave him the answer. Mm. The next logical step was to 
you know, make that decision. We need men over men so that this isn't such a, you know, sucking the ocean through a straw type yeah. of thing. Hey, just just yeah. by way of observation, you're trying to lead two million people by exactly. yourself. You need some help. God gives us some 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 base wisdom we can kind yeah. of work with and don't have to, you know, wait on a direct answer from him. Yeah. So that's important. And and then the term stay faithful, it has the word faith in it, but it also means like keep going. Mm-hmm. And um and don't let again the little things bog you down. Take the next logical step and stay faithful. Remember the Christian walk is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we have a race to run and to run with endurance. And I came across this quote even from Martin Luther King Jr. It said, faith is taking the next step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Oh, yeah. That's good. You know, I just pictured Indiana Jones crossing that chasm of invisible stairs on the way to the Holy Grail. Yeah. (laughs) Even when you don't see the step, take it. Just take it and and go because... God is leading you. Yeah. That's that's something you got to put your faith in. Mm-hmm. Number nine, step out of your comfort zone. That's a biggie. Nothing grows our faith like doing something that we haven't done before. Um, for me, uh, I've been on a few different mission trips. And if you want to see God move, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be like that supernatural outside the the realms of of imagination kind of movement but really like him provide in in ways that you didn't uh, believe that could happen or um, circumstances that you didn't think were going to be able to work out he did he does he has and i think when we step out of what we're comfortable in that's really when we're giving him room to move that's so true and this can be a terrifying one. It, it, yeah. Because there's things that that God might be asking you to do. And, and the whole reason he's asking you to do it is so that he can grow you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the number one thing that comes to my mind is I was serving at a church um, that God had led me to. And the senior pastor asked me to preach from the pulpit. Wow. And I was like, uh, no, that's not something I do. <laughs> this I'm terrified of speaking in public, and I can't tell you how terrified I was of speaking in public. And I ended up going through with it. And I even I even told God, I was like, I never want this to happen again. Please <laughs> just take me and use me, however, and and help me. Like imagine that I'm fishing right now while I'm talking, and <laughs> I, I don't want to be here. I mean, I was palm sweaty, whole mom spaghetti, as you like to quote. <laughs> but yeah, I was so terrified, and it was oh, I lost sleep over it, and it came to fruition, and it went off without a hitch, and God used that moment to do things in my life in how I look at him, how I study everything that grew me at a rate so fast after that. And so stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something that might even terrify you, Hmm. it might have fast, you know, great repercussions after that, if that's the right word. But I mean, it's going to lead to growth that you are going to really smile looking back on. Hmm. That's a big one. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of like how stepping out of your comfort zone not only changes who you are and your faith in God because of 
the way that he can work, but it also changes your perspective on how you see God move in other people. And that grows your faith as well, because sometimes we, especially if we're living in America and we have some of the the creature comforts of home, we don't realize that outside of of our borders, sometimes people don't live with those kind of things. And they literally live day to day on faith in God of what he's going to provide. And there are people who love God that are having to walk miles just to hear him in churches, or they're having to wait on aid. Or like, for one instance, we went to uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, which sounds like a like a U.S. vacation destination because it is. Um, what's ironic is my parents and I had gone on vacation to that same spot, not knowing that um, within miles of our of our resort hotel, there was actually um, a whole village of people that live right near the edge of a dump. And they live there because that's where the land that they can lease for the government is the cheapest that they can afford. And oh, wow. what I didn't realize was that um, they can't build a permanent structure on that land until they own it. And so a lot of the people there live in cardboard huts. And because of the way that it worked out, we'd been able to have a surplus in the budget that we took down there and we said, we're going to bless a family. And so we went out and we bought them more oil-soaked cardboard and they soak it in oil because they build their 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 homes or their structures with this and it's soaked in oil so that when it rains, it doesn't just turn to mush like most cardboard would when it gets wet. And when we brought this to these people, they were weeping, wow. crying. And I've never seen anything like it. You know, and it's those kind of circumstances that change our faith that go, God, if they can believe in you for for oil-soaked cardboard, yeah. you know, and here we have kids um, asking for iPhone 12s or, you know, whatever the next big thing that's coming out. Yeah. And yet this this family was in tears thanking us you know going i can't believe that you helped us out like this and and the the little steps of faith that we saw god do on that trip um there's for me there's a lot to mention and there's too many to mention it's really um neat uh spurgeon says great faith must have great trials you know, and I was thinking about how we grow in our faith is stepping out of our comfort zone. And it might be like publicly sharing our testimony or it might be even like for us locally, there's a there's that homeless um, gathering community where people are provided uh, tiny houses that the that the somebody has built. And we've gone out and and spoken with people there. And it's such a, a faith building yeah. Um, opportunity. It really is just being out there with some of those people who get nothing but negativity from that type of environment. Just us being there, giving them a cold drink. They come up and they start to warm up to you after they feel you out for a minute. And then I can't, I mean, there's so many times me and Josh have been talking to someone and they just come into tears because it was a divine appointment. Mm-hmm. And it's little moments like that of just doing something simple like that, that God, they're, like I said, divine appointments, and it grows your faith. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was number nine. 
step out of your comfort zone. That's a, that's a big one. And then we'll end on number 10. And that is a simple one. Don't look back. Don't look back. Second Peter 3.17 says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think of how many people, even pastors and people that profess God, have all of a sudden turned away and and taken a step back because somehow they took their eyes off of Jesus and they they looked over their shoulder. They didn't continue to to plow like the gospels say, like Jesus gave in one of his parables. And all of a sudden you find that they're completely off the reservation. They're off the path now. Yeah. You know, the thing about growing is um, you're either growing or you're declining. Mm-hmm. There's not there's not any plateau in this. Um, we go through seasons where things dry up and things don't seem to be moving forward very fast. But um, a scripture that I've always dwelled on when I'm trying to do heart checks is... Um, Hebrews 3.12 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And I don't mention that verse to scare anybody, but that verse is speaking of someone who is declining in their faith, someone who is going the wrong direction, Mm -hmm. someone who's caught the football and they're heading to their own end zone. Um, and it's so important that we that we remember that we are running a race. Uh, I love that verse you pointed out earlier, Josh, Hebrews 12, 1. Uh, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And um, we're running toward God, progressing towards Him. Uh, that's where that whole term progressive sanctification comes. Mm. It's the growing, becoming more like Christ. And your faith is that. I mean, your faith, growing in faith, is all a part of that. So that's why it's so important that we don't look back. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus, like we've pointed out before. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier about living like a tourist. And I couldn't help but think of like the whole hall of faith in Hebrews 11, Mm -hmm. because it, you know, I think if there's ever a time where we just need some encouragement, that is a great place to go and to glean and to read, you know, just seeing like all the way from Abel, Enoch, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, um, Jephthah, all these guys. And, you know, right planted smack dab in those verses, it talks about the heavenly hope It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Mm. It's all about looking forward. Yeah. It's not about looking back. It's not about dwelling in the past. It's all about saying, God is calling me onwards and upwards. Uh, uh, or if you're a, um, a chronicle of Narnianite like I am, it's always further up and further in. 
which is, you know, the call at the end of the books where it says God has more for you than, than what in, what is in the past. That's so true. And if we can keep our, our sight on what's real, on what's coming, um, that's going to be what pulls us through. That's mm-hmm. going to be our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it. Travel light. Yeah. So that's our 10. You know, one of the things that I want to end with is maybe you are struggling with your faith today. You know, one of the best counsels I've ever heard is that if you're having something that you're questioning about God, ask him. There is nothing that we can't ask God that he can't handle. You know, there's nothing that you're going to be able to ask God that will shock him. Mm-hmm. And he can answer it. And, and be honest. Yes, and be honest. Don't don't pull any punches, yeah. but also be prepared for the answer. Yeah. And I can assure you, no matter how scary you think the answer might be, it is the best thing looking back on it. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, because you don't. You don't want to live in a prison of doubt yeah, or uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. What awaits is much greater than staying where you are. Mm-hmm. And don't forget that faith is a muscle. And it's, it's one of those things that gets bigger as you exercise it. You know, and, and a lot of times if you don't, it atrophies. And so that's why we say do the little things that lead up to the big things and keep going. Yeah. You don't start off trying to bench press 400 pounds. <laughs> you got to get there. It's a process. If you even get that bar off the bench, it's going to go, you know, right into your chest. God will get you there. Just trust him in the little things all the way to it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Put your faith in him. Look to Jesus and these might sound cliche to some people, but they're not. We base our life on this. Mm-hmm. One foot in front of the other by faith, walking in the knowledge that God has it and not by sight. Because we want to be like Thomas and we want to see everything that God's doing. But he says, hey, I've got this. And we have his word as a witness that he does have this. And so that's what it's all about. Yeah, amen. And you know, going through these 10 that we we talked about, I know there's probably all sorts of branching areas that you might still have questions about. And so if you do, uh, please get in touch with us and we will try to follow up with you, mm-hmm. if not in another episode, directly through uh, email, or you can reach us in several different ways. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, you can go to bsnakebird.com and you can click on our connect tab. And right there, you can send us an email or you can get on our Facebook page. Uh, send us a direct message and we will try to um, reply to every single message that we get. We realize that, that, again, this is not an exhaustive list on ways to grow your faith, but it's some of the best ways that we've found. And we want to be out there as a community to help one another grow in our faith. And that means surrounding each other and praying for each other and being there for one another. Yeah, and one of the ways that we can build this community together is if this has benefited you, please share it with your friends uh, on Facebook or any social media platform that you have, because this is not us just trying to build a podcast. We want to reach souls out there that have real questions about real things, and we want to be there for you. We want to connect with you, so get a hold of us if you have questions, and share us if this has benefited you. Yes, absolutely, and if you 
like this episode and you want to hear more, we're asking um, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave us a review if you feel so inclined. Yeah. Um, Preferably and, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to beg, but a good review would be good. Um, it does. And um, if you have suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear us talk about, please uh, send those in an email or a message. That would be great as well. And, um, you know, we, we care. That's why we're doing this. We're, we're not doing this just to fill an hour of your time. We're doing this because we really believe this is what God is calling us to do. And this is a step of faith for us. Yeah, that's so true. But it's all about where we're going, keeping mm-hmm. our eyes on Jesus. Absolutely. So always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus. And by faith... Be a snake bird.